Hi again, folks, and welcome back at long last to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again. Great to have you with us today. And to our regular listeners, thank you for your patience. Uh, I know it's been quite a while since our last episode was published, and that's entirely my fault. I was having way too much fun in Thailand on my annual holiday excursion. And then, of course, coming back, I've been crazy busy catching up on anything that couldn't be handled remotely while I was away. But we're now back with a vengeance and excited to be talking shop with you again about all things related to the world's second biggest property investment market and a very exciting uh, property market overall here in Japan. So quick update before we jump right in on the hotel deal that we've been discussing in the last couple of episodes. We've now got two investors who have picked up the gauntlet and will be paying for the research trip and other off-site research efforts by Pacific Business KK, our designated resort operator. And now we hope that this research trip will take place over the next couple of weeks. And those two investors will then, of course, have first access to the research results, as well as first right of refusal on the deal itself. Once they've decided, and if for any reason they end up not moving forward with the purchase, we'll then open the application process again to new investors. So if you'd like to register your interest and haven't done so yet, now's a good time. We'll keep you posted with progress as we go along. Okay, so for today's episode, this is a recording of a conversation that we've had this week with a buyer from the U.S. who's been reading and listening to some of the information that we've been putting out regarding holiday properties that could also be rented out by the month when they're not being used. So we've discussed these types of deals in principle, and then we've also put out a deal analysis article of a sample holiday slash monthly rental property uh, that we've recently facilitated on behalf of a client. And we will turn that article into a podcast episode in the near future as well, maybe even from next week if I can make it. So in this recording today that you're about to hear, we're going to talk uh, locations, management, costs, and selection criteria. So really all of the things that go into the purchase of a holiday property that can also hopefully cover its own maintenance costs and hopefully also generate some reasonable income along the way. Uh, we're going to chat about the difference between straight-out resort properties and standard properties that can be converted into a monthly stay property. As far as monthly costs and facilities go, etc., there's obviously a difference there. And towards the end of the conversation, we also look under the hood a bit uh, and talk about our own service here at NTI, what we can do for potential buyers and investors and how it all works. So it should be good listening. Hope you enjoy. We were looking to spend under $100,000. Um, in in various areas, I originally was thinking, um, you know, Atami would be great because it's 40 minutes by Shinkansen from from Tokyo, and it has a great uh, you know set of onsens, and, and actually the the nature and the views were quite nice. Uh, and the town, although during the holidays it's very busy, I would assume when it's not a holiday, it's kind of not that um, uh, not that busy. So um, so that's kind of what attracted me to. Atami. My wife actually spent a significant amount of time in Kyushu, so she loves Fukuoka yep. uh, and Komamoto and what else you like there? <laughs> you like all the area. Yeah, I think the major cities um, would be the Fukuoka and, uh, you know, Komamoto is good too, but... Um, you prefer I wouldn't really call it a major city though, I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the problem that I would have with Fukuoka is that uh, it's um, it's significantly away from Tokyo, and it would be hard every time to, we come to Japan. We probably won't even be able to um, spend time in Tokyo. We would just uh, have to go to Fukuoka 
you know, I saw tickets like from transfer tickets from Shanghai or Beijing and go directly to Fukuoka. So, um, so it's, it's like two hours by, not less than two hours by plane, uh, but also because we have two kids, it will be four of us, we'll be spending an additional like Hachimanen every time just to get from Tokyo to Fukuoka. Uh, but, but if there's an attractive deal, um, then we can certainly consider it. Uh, I don't know if you specialize in a timing area. It's, I looked at some of the availability on your website, uh, and I, I heard some of your podcasts. They're very informative, so thank you very much for, for putting them out. No, thank you for that. Um, but it seems like you have some specialization in various areas and your recommendation about Sapporo, about Fukuoka, some, some availability in Tokyo and Osaka. Uh, well, I not, didn't hear not, much about Atami. Not really. I mean, the um, the specifics that we delve into in the podcast and in the stuff that you see on the website is really geared towards investors. Um, so when we're talking about investment, yes, Atami is obviously not a really uh, investment hotspot, hot and so are some of the other places. Um, so the, the stuff that you see on the website is usually just uh, aimed towards the most common denominator, which is usually people looking for high-yield investments. And for that purpose, we wouldn't um, we wouldn't specifically showcase any deals in uh, more recreational areas. But we we do help people get um, ski properties up in uh, Niigata near the slopes or near some of the onsens. We've helped people get some land parcels that they've later built on in other places. And um, Itoshima as well. I mean, obviously, um, the the article that you were referring to, and we we had a podcast episode about that as well. Um, Itoshima specifically is not really an investment destination in the sense that you won't probably aim for Itoshima or Atami for that matter if you're looking for long-term leases. Um, so again, I wouldn't purchase a property in those places if the purpose is to have it constantly uh, occupied. But if you're looking for what you are looking for, which is a, basically a holiday property, which can also generate some income um, on monthly rentals, then any place you're interested in is probably attractive for that. I mean, obviously, okay. if you're if you're going there for holiday, then other people are doing the same. Um, hopefully, all throughout the year. I mean, unless it's a ski property, it would be all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that for that purpose, yeah, Atami definitely qualifies. All right, and and uh, okay, so that's that's good. Now the reason um, we actually even considering this um, is because it, it seems like there is some, and especially. Um, you know, in your um, in your podcast, and we saw your seminar on, on YouTube, and we heard from your partner companies um, that there is a, a certain infrastructure available in Japan to to help with kind of remote management of the, of the of this kind of investment or this kind of a holiday, remote holiday home, and that's the, that would be the one of the other primary reasons we would go for it because if. If it involves us taking care of things, then we certainly would not be doing this because there's too much to take care of in the U.S. So just, just we can't um, afford to spend time on managing property halfway around the world. No, understood. That's so, most of our clients. That's normal. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then, then if if there's this kind of availability, if you can manage this, if you can, um, you said you kind of deal with the management companies in condo buildings. Uh, if they give you trouble about monthly rentals, you probably have experience on how to deal with it, what to say. So that's kind of what we're looking for in terms of your experience. Yeah, so th- this is what we do basically. We're um, a single point of contact, if you will, for people who are either too busy or just not present physically to, or just don't have the language skills to manage things on their own. Um, so 
the building management is not something that we have um, anything that we can replace or anything of that sort, but we do certainly deal with them if they've got um, reservations about anything that you're doing with the uh, apartment. And the property managers, so the people who are actually advertising and placing those guests or tenants in the properties, well, they're easily easily replaceable. So if we start working with one of them and we see that we're not getting the results that we want, we can definitely uh, change over to another company. Uh, depending on location. So places like Itoshima or Kumamoto have relatively a lot of uh, companies that we can work with. Atami, we haven't actually delved into yet, so I can't tell you how many um, monthly rental properties are active in that area. So that'll be the first part of the research. Um, I would assume... um, Sorry, go um, ahead. So we've done some research. Sorry, um, I just want to just bring up some information that we researched in Atami. And um, there uh, uh, appears to be a, a huge amount of re- resort mansions available, which are the buildings that have, um, you know, onsens on site. Um, and um, there is availability in, in buildings which are, are built from 78 to 91. We're not really looking for a really new place, but we are looking for something that would be a bit on a larger side than usual, would be about 50 square meters, let's say. Okay, but if you're um, saying resort management, those are places that come with quite hefty monthly fees, right? Yeah, so the, all they come, we couldn't find anything below like uh, 25,000 yen per month, yeah. um, which we consider to be a little bit too much. Uh, we're really looking something uh, below 20,000 and hopefully closer to 10,000 yen. Well, the question is if do you need the facilities on no. site or are you comfortable no, just walking to not. Yeah. Absolutely not because we we know we stepped out of the of the building and there's an onsen 5 to 10 minutes away exactly. uh, either by bus or even by walk. So so that's absolutely not necessary. However, when we do that we spend like a couple of days going through different sites in Japanese and the, all of this all we saw was resort mansions. We haven't seen any just regular, uh, you know, unit for sale. <laughs> so it's probably our fault. Somehow we're just missing it. But maybe you would be uh, a person to talk to to find something in that space. So the the websites that you were checking for these types of properties were they your normal uh, MLS multi-listing websites that you look for uh, any real estate property, or were they resort specific? This is the first time we're looking to buy in Japan. So we would assume that we're looking at rent uh, regular because our search was for. Uh, to b- buying condo in what did you say mansion buying mansion in Atami that's what we searched in Japanese yep. so somehow we probably missed it somehow but we all only got resort mansions okay well quickly looking at Atami we're talking about a population of 37,000 but it does look I mean it does look like a city I wouldn't call it strictly a, a onsen place um, so I think there should be some, maybe not as as many as in other places, but there definitely should be some normal buildings out there. Um, again, that that's the sort of research that we'll have to do. So we'll have to see if there's um, properties available that are not resort properties in that area, and we'll have to see if there are companies out there um, that I'd hope for at least uh, two or three companies just so that we can change them over if they're not doing very well. Um, that can serve you and then based on what we find there we can decide if you want to proceed looking in Atami or if you want to look at other places um, do you want to if um, so so because you um, 
you have um, this deep expertise in Fukuoka market. Uh, if you don't mind sending us something together with Adami, if you're sending us Fukuoka as well, so we can compare the two and maybe uh, and maybe make decision that way. I don't know if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. But Fukuoka, Fukuoka City specifically is not going to be walking distance to an onsen. That's a city. If you want walking distance to an onsen, I'd probably advise Beppu or Kumamoto if you're talking about Kyushu. I don't think that it's a you know uh, it's necessary to have a walking distance to us uh, you know distance to onsen. That's probably where we disagree. Uh, I, I the whole point is like, uh, but anyway. Um, well, you know. Um, Fukuoka is a great yeah. city, but it's it's a metropolitan center. It's not exactly a resort town. Yeah, you you mentioned it's one point six million people. It's, it's a no, 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 one and a half, like, one and a half million. One and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this, that's that's for you guys to decide. We can definitely send you samples from uh, all... Just give us a list of places and we'll send you samples. We'll point out the advantages and disadvantages of each and you can you can have a chat at home and decide. Okay. okay. Um, so, so, I guess some, the, the, the parameters would be somewhere like under $100,000, but, um, I mean, we uh, we saw like a lot of properties in fifty to $60,000 range. So, that's... I mean, we don't necessarily have to spend the whole 100000 um, For 50 uh, also, square meters, though, that might be difficult. We'll have a quick peek, maybe in Atami, but I'm definitely not in uh, okay. not, not in Kyushu that I've seen, but we'll definitely sure. look into that. Sure. And um, also, so it doesn't have to be a new place. Uh, it would be preferable that place was renovated at some point, so it's not very traditional, uh, you know, uh, Japanese property from, from the... From the 70s or 80s, it's a little bit, um, you know, have wooden floors and kind of um, uh, maybe kitchen is in a bit better shape. But again, this is all, um, you know, depends on other factors like location and the price. Yeah. So It's always going to um, be a bit of a trade-off. So the size versus yeah. the age of the building versus the location will determine the price. Right. Yeah. So so I guess, yeah, between, between um, you know, 78 and 90 one or something like that that's where majority of properties we saw at least uh, in our price range yeah. um with it with a fee uh, maintenance fee below hopefully 20,000 yen and and even better you know lower the better um the, the the distance from the train station should be like under 20 minutes i guess uh just because we probably not gonna get a car every time we uh we come to japan well if you so, want to rent it out uh, monthly i'd say stick to 10 minutes from a station yeah Okay, well, that's fine with us as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. 10 minutes would be better. Um, and what else are we missing? I think I think that's about it. Um, I mean, um, I know it's extremely hard to get any kind of property where you can do um, like Airbnb. Not, then, in a, not in a co-owned building, only if you own the entire yeah. structure. Yep, so then that's not, that's not going to be part of the equation. Um, and then I guess what we'd like to know is... Um, you know, um, your what do you think would be the um, monthly costs going forward? Uh, not in terms of you know the the maintenance, but in terms of your cost, in terms of management costs, all costs put together, so that we can understand what would be the annual expenses uh, for to upkeep the property. Okay, well, I'll give you a brief on costs now, and then I'll send you an email with more details so you have it written sure. down. Um, sure. Basically, so the building fees are the building fees, and that changes yep. drastically between buildings depending on how new and how well maintained they are. So that could be anywhere yep. between five thousand to, um, like you said, your max would be twenty thousand. Yep. 
Yes. Um, the property management component for the property manager, for the person who actually finds and places the tenants and checks them in and checks them out, is usually between 20 to 30% of the uh, gross rental income. Uh, compared to US, that's <laughs> two to three times more. For okay. the monthly, yeah. I mean, if you're doing a long-term yeah. lease, which means that they don't have a lot to do, and then they, then they charge something like five or, or between four to six percent. But if you're talking about oh, monthly, oh, I see the difference. Yeah, got yeah. it. Okay. But if you're talking about monthly, which means they need to advertise, they need to check people in and out, collect deposits, organize cleaning, etc., then they charge twenty to thirty percent. And our fee is uh, usually, well, depending on the uh, price of the property, from what you're describing, it's probably going to be uh, 2% of the gross rental income. And then there's a tax component added to whatever service you're getting. Tax, every service we get is a tax, comp yeah. a tax component, yeah. right? Okay. So uh, when I say 3%, um, 20%, 30%, you, you need to add 8% to the bottom line. Yep. Um, okay, and, and what do you think... It's possible with these on, on a high level to uh, make up for the cost of the apartment with the rental income? Well, we're going to, um, once we decide on a location, we're going to ask the uh, uh, monthly rental companies if they would be, if they would have some criteria because they, they know their market best. So if they tell us, well, if you buy anything under 1982 or 1985 or anything that's, um, you know, more than five minutes from a station, then we're not going to get enough guests. They wouldn't take take on management if they think that's not easily occupiable. Mm -hmm. um, so usually we go uh, we go off what they tell us, and then we make recommendations to you, and then you can tweak it um, as you see fit. Sure. So we'll we'll hopefully have all of that information before we actually go ahead and uh, commit to any property. Sure, understood. And um, uh, just based on your experience, uh, if Atami is a new market for you. Uh, when you, I'm sure, when you started up in your current market in Fukuoka and some others where you have experience, when you were just first building a relationship with some of the management companies, you certainly experienced some, you know, ups and downs going into Atami, building up new relationship. How much of an issue do you think it's going to be? You know, maybe there's going to be management company you find and it turns out that they're not really that good and we'll have to change them. It's going to cause all kinds of issues. Do you, do you think that building this whole thing in a time just because of this one property is going to be kind of a, of a hassle for you, for you. Well, it's not really something that's limited to when we start in any particular location. I mean, some of our biggest markets for investment have been Fukuoka, Sapporo and Kumamoto. And aside from Kumamoto, where we've been very lucky with the property manager, we've always had at least once or twice a year to change someone over. I mean, companies grow, certain staff members are better than others, a company just, you know, suddenly doesn't like to uh, handle the smaller scale that they were handling. They want to only aim for bigger customers, so the service level drops. I mean, that's something that we have to do um, whether we're starting out in a location or we've been there for a while. So not, not a okay. huge difference from our perspective. Okay, that's great. Yeah. So I'll, um, I'll forward the answers to those questions that we've discussed now to you via email, and I'll also um, walk you or Preeti can walk you through the engagement process. And once we get that out of the way, we can start researching on your behalf. Sure, absolutely. That sounds, sounds great, Jeff. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Any any other questions for this one, or are we carrying on by email? Uh, no, I mean, pretty. When you, when you said pretty is going to walk us through engagement process, is that another Skype call, or how are we going to handle that? Those are two forms that you need to have signs and witness to allow us to represent you here and make inquiries and submit offers, etc., on your behalf. Okay. And then witness, there's meaning notarized. You want you need notarized forms. Um, well, any sort of official witness with an official-looking uh, stamp or seal, something that looks like a hanko, which is what the Japanese like to see. 
Yeah. In US, it's not not Yeah, there will be a stamp if we notarize the form. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, if it's a notary, it'll definitely be fine. But I mean, if a notary is too expensive, then sometimes you know a lawyer or an accountant will do as long as they've got the registration ID on their seal. No, no, no. It's not. It's not too expensive. It's just there's. I don't think there's anybody else who does it. So okay. At least that I know of. So notary would have to be Hanko in US. Yeah, I have Hanko. You can't, no, you cannot have your own Hanko. It has to be witnessed. It has okay. to be uh, witnessed. Okay, yeah, no the yep. And uh, the other thing is then we'll need our fee estimate paid in advance, and that's based on your budget. And then post-settlement, uh, obviously the price is not going to be exactly what you estimated, so we're going to credit or debit you based on the actual purchase price. You, when you say in advance, is in advance of the deal or in advance like when we start the, the search process? In advance of the research. I mean, we can put in an hour or two hours of research just to give you a rough idea of what's available. But once uh, you want us to do due diligence on a particular property and start okay. contacting management companies, then we need our fee uh, estimate paid. Got it. And, and um, when can we, would you be able to provide that estimate to us? Uh, well, I can tell it to you now. If it's based on your purchase budget of 100000 then that's... Um, Four percent of that plus tax. So it's four thousand plus tax, which is uh, four plus oh, eight okay. percent. Yeah. Okay. It's it's it's. That's four thousand three hundred and twenty. And do you accept? Um, what is that in US dollars, or how do we? How how do is it yen or? Do we need to get to our Japanese account, or we can? Uh, you, you can. You can. I mean, we've got an account with OFX, who are our forex provider that we've been using for a good few years. They've got excellent rates. I'd probably advise that you uh, set up your own account with them, because then if you uh, set up an account for our referral link, we'll both end up getting better rates as you remit more funds across. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I mean, for your first transaction, we can definitely uh, just book it through our corporate account, and then they'll give you an account to transmit uh, US dollars to, and then we receive it on the other end in yen. Okay, so we can do it that way. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, and also I, saw, I heard in your um, in um, in your podcast as well that you have a partner where they do investment fund um, where you actually own a, a property and then you get rights to use the property once a year. That sounds kind of similar to what we're discussing. Is that something that you would consider as well for this kind of type of deal, or that's okay. kind of different? That's a little bit of a different uh, setup. So what they are, they're a Hong Kong-based company that have a Japanese boutique hospitality fund. So you can invest, I think they start, the entry level I think is 50,000 US. And for that you get a percentage of whatever the fund generates in income. And you also get annual usage rights. But um, how, whether that's a month or a week, I'm not too sure. Uh, And then you're staying in a resort in one of the uh, properties that they've got in their portfolio. They're very nice properties, though, very luxurious. I think much better than anything that we'd be able to get you for $100,000. But that's a full-on hotel or yokan stay. Um, And it's a fun structure. So that means that you don't actually have – you're not actually owning a property. You're owning a share in a fund. Um, I don't think it's going to work for us because um, we, we would like to actually send kids to school if possible. Yeah, so that, that's uh, not, that really, not, yeah. not really going to satisfy that. I mean, it's um, sometimes they've got syndication options as opposed to a fund, in which case you will be owning a share of the property. Um, but as far as usage rights go, I'm not sure how long, uh, uh, how many days a year you can actually use. I can put you in touch with them and you can get more info from them if you'd like. Yeah, it would be helpful just for us to take a look 
at this um, as well. It sounds like an interesting choice. Uh, certainly not uh, very um, you know, usual, for at least from from my experience. But something to consider. Okay. Well, I mean, if we end up finding you something for fifty thousand dollars, you could do both. We'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do too. Yeah, sure. Sounds right. good. Ziv. All right. Good. I'll send some info right. your way, and we'll take it from there. Okay, so there you have it. Hopefully what we discussed here has also answered some of your own questions. If you had any about what's achievable here in Japan as far as holiday properties are concerned, as far as remittance overseas go, we've mentioned OFX uh, in this conversation again. Really, they're the best way for any of you who want to remit funds overseas and not necessarily to or from Japan, but just really from any currency to another and anywhere around the world. So we're going to link to OFX's website in this episode's show notes as well. And if you're signing up with them, just make sure you do it through that partner referral link in the show notes, as that'll give us both better rates and less fees over time as your remittances uh, grow in volume. We welcome any other questions you may have, of course, and you can email them directly to us or message us on whichever channel you might have found this podcast or just even in the comment section of the podcast on social media, etc. And we would really appreciate it if you could share this episode or the podcast itself with your own networks. If you think they may find this content brings any value to them at all. And lastly, we would really appreciate it if you could take a moment of your time and leave us a rating or even better, a few short words of review, perhaps on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're tuning in from. This just helps us reach even more people who can hopefully benefit from this content as well. Hope to have you with us next time, which will be far less of a wait, promise. And until then, from all of us here at NTI, we wish you, as always, happy investing.